Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons as they stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, my name is Noah Tarno from The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, and with me as always, my co-host, Mr. Universe second runner-up 2011, Mr. Bill Scurry. How you doing there, Sizzle Chest? I answered the questions properly when they brought me up to the front, and uh, I just wasn't enough to get over the top. No, well, the fact that you had a flabby and unmuscular body, uh, you couldn't quite get it to first runner-up, only second runner-up, right? Yeah, the swimsuit contest murdered yeah, me. Yeah, murdered you. Which is my chances. In Miss Universe. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Every episode, we look at some phenomenon that the kids, the youngins, are into these days and try to make some sense of it. Uh, with our own puny uh, Brussels sprout minds. And this week, we are looking at a televisual program, a TV show currently on the CW Network and Netflix. It is known as Riverdale. Riverdale, a premiere... Uh, er- hang, hang on a second. What? I what? did a lot of the wrong research because I thought we were talking about Riverdale, the Bronx. <laughs> I have to go prepare. It, it's every kid's favorite Bronx neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> now, Riverdale's a TV show, televisual show. It, it premiered uh, earlier this year on CW and almost immediately afterwards on Netflix. And the, the one-sentence description is it is a TV adaptation of the old Archie gang, the Archie Comics characters, but not a straight adaptation, no siree. Uh, it places them in a sort of murder mystery, dark drama, teen-appealing elements. Premiered earlier this year, it's become a big hit. It was created by, um, co-created by Greg Berlanti, who is a very powerful TV producer. He started with Dawson's Creek, and he has since become the driving force behind the Arrowverse, the TV adaptations. Everyone, of, everyone knows that guy. I've yep. read the, the DC Comics characters, starting with Green Arrow, moving on to The Flash, etc. And uh, a guy named Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is the chief creative officer of Archie Comics and a playwright, and Bill, a uh, acquaintance of a good friend of ours, Mr. Aaron Grunfeld. No, no shit. Oh, because of his, his theater background. Because right? of their, yes, their past in the theater. Actually, not to get off right. topic, but um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa first got attention by doing an, an unauthorized adaptation, theatrical adaptation of the Archie characters for which he got a cease and desist letter on opening day. Yeah, and, you know, here we are like 10 years later and he's chief creative officer of Archie. So, ain't it funny? And yeah, it puts the Archie characters in this dark drama, still teenagers, murder mystery, lots of twists, lots of turns, lots of soapy drama. It's become a big hit. It co-stars some uh, remembered teen actors from the past as the parents. Luke Perry is uh, Archie's dad. By the way, I couldn't place Luke Perry at first. I thought it was James Vanderbeek. I thought he was Harry Dean Stanton. He looked so bad. (laughs) Uh, Molly, Molly Ringwald plays Archie's mom. Uh, Mad Shinamic plays, uh, Betty's mom. I've watched a few episodes. You've, how many episodes in are you? I did what I usually do. I watched one and I watched 13. I sort of bookended it really? to get the whole, the whole feel. Yeah. I watched six, but I've watched an order. So, um, not all the way at the end. I think we're one season down 10, uh, 13 episodes in or 10 episodes in, I believe. No, 13. And of course there's a lot of reimagining here. Archie's still a redheaded kid, but, uh, Josie and the Pussycats are African-American. 
they never say it explicitly, but I believe Veronica is Latina. Jughead is sort of, you know, the sensitive poet from the wrong side of the tracks. The incident that starts everything is the uh, Blossom twins. Jason Blossom disappears and is soon after found murdered. Miss Grundy, who in the comics is, you know, the old woman, hence her name Miss Grundy in this conception, is the hot teacher in her early 30s, and she and Archie have a tryst. Believe it or not. So, uh, Bill, what do you think of Riverdale? Uh, this is a weird show. I mean, and it's designed to be weird. The whole premise that Roberto Aguirre Sacasa built was intentionally weird. It was designed to modernize these characters, to revitalize them, to scandalize them, to recontextualize them. And I think for the most part, the guy succeeds. The funny thing is, is that in thinking that you were going to bend a lot of people's brains... He kind of steered into making a very conventional 21st century narrative. It shares a lot of characteristics with a show like Scandal, a show like Unreal, a show like Glee, a show like American Horror Story. Knowing that kids are becoming very uh, omnivorous in their viewing habits, it has a lot of familiar overheated ideas. I don't like that type of show. I've watched a few of them for sure. I actually do watch Unreal. I watched the first two seasons in at least. Maybe I'll, I'll, throw, I'll jump off of it. But there is this sense of an engine that is so overclocked that it's running red hot, right? And it's like a motorcycle engine barreling along at this incredible speed. Yeah. Because the people who make, people who make TV shows can't do anything in half measures. That's a soap opera convention. You know, you pile on it and is. pile on and pile on the drama. And they've had to adopt that. A lot of these TV shows, these dramas, these quote-unquote straight dramas have had to adopt that. Or what's the other one? Um, uh, Revenge. You know, there's a lot of these shows that are very pulpy, that are very soapy, that are very nighttime drama-y. This adheres to all those conventions. They're, they're pitching this to teenagers. And I, I guarantee you that if it's the 90210 crowd, I mean, I say that both as a cheeky reference to our 90210, but also, you know, it's a show that exists in the plane today. You know, like they actually have remade 90210. You know, the idea that there were murders, there was sex, there was drugs, there was scandal, there was all sorts of things that went into those shows DNA that show up here so it actually fits quite comfortably maybe I'm repeating myself it looks very familiar considering all the other shows that are around the difference is is that it injects this IP so they get to have their cake and eat it too you get Archie you get the fact that you got the uh, redheaded guy with the freckles you got the brunette you got the blonde woman you get Dilton Doily all these characters Mr. Weatherby are, are injected but they're more or less just name only everything else adheres just in the most light of well, the yes lightest and no. of ways. There's the love triangle, the Archie Betty Veronica love triangle. There's okay, you know, but that's just yes, they Jughead is the smart the, ass, and Kevin is the gay guy. All that Reggie is the asshole. Every single one of those things could be found in a hundred other shows. Right? Sure, now. they're of course, not yeah. unique to Archie. That IP is pretty powerful. I mean, Archie's been around more than seventy-five years. And these characters are, you know, I mean, I find it kind of charming that kids still know who Archie is. They're part of our cultural DNA, no less so than Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, all that. Yeah, that IP might just seem like window dressing, but there's something to it. It's funny for me, when I started watching this first episode, I was, all my notes, I read my notes now, I'm just shitting all over it. <laughs> I turned around on it to a, to a large extent because I'm like, this takes itself too seriously. Uh, the wacky gay friend is a cliche. 
uh, Cheryl is the mean girl, and she's she's not like, I love to hate her. She's like, turn off the TV, detestable, and Veronica with a cheap reference, and pop culture references, and I knew they would do a rock and roll cover of Sugar Sugar. The cover girl product placement is too blatant. You know, all those things, I think, are still valid criticism. How did, how did it get into well, your heart, Well, there's a few things. One, there's the litmus test. I talked about this with when we talked about This Is Us, that... A show like this, if you want to keep watching, it doesn't matter what your notes say, it's doing something right. And I'm six episodes yes. in, and I plan to go to seven and eight, and probably all the way to the end. Uh, I'm not saying it's great TV, I'm saying I'm into it. I'm charmed by a lot of these. I think some of the performances are terrible. I think the kid who plays Archie's pretty bad. But I think yeah, Betty and Veronica yeah. are very appealing. I think Jughead, as much as he starts as a cliche, once you peel beneath the surface of him, I, I find him interesting. I find, by the way, Skeet Ulrich as his dad. How about that? Anyway, uh, Jughead, um, I remember when I first saw Josie, Josie and the Pussycats, hating her because she was the lazy trope of, oh, how do we indicate someone's cool? They're just a huge asshole. But then you start seeing her family life and you see why she's an asshole. And, and then there is the fact that it's the IP. You know, at first I'm like, why are they doing this? What's the point? Would it make more sense to do an Archie TV show that was, ooh, a gritty reboot, but like, you know, like a comedy, like a 90210 level or Dawson's Creek level. But then I realized, and this comes out from the comic book geek, this is an Elseworlds story. And for those who don't know, Elseworlds was, uh, DC Comics did this for about 20 years. They did a, a large number of comics where they would place their familiar characters in other settings. So this is basically, what if the Archie characters, who are these icons, what if we place these Archie characters in a scandal, in an American horror story, in uh, all these other shows Twin, pe Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. right. What if we placed them in there? Uh, 13 Reasons Why, for that matter. I think in that sense, it works, for the most part. For all the reasons I stated before, all the things I shat on when I first watched it, it is not a perfect show, it has its flaws. But for a teen TV drama, you know, it gets the job done. It's entertaining. It doesn't completely insult my intelligence. I want to know what happens next. The characters are interesting enough. So, you know, it's, it's a TV show, so why not? I don't put any value in the IP making this thing stick because kids don't read comic books. They just but don't. They, but I'm sorry, and man. I think kids know the Archie characters. I'm not so sure they do. I really? think that adults know the Archie comics. Yeah, I really... No. I mean, first of all, Archie is, has this weird distinction of being the only comic book to a large degree which is allowed to be sold on bookshelves. But my question is, if Archie was really that large a brand and if it was really that visible on IP... Why is it absolutely nowhere except a couple of spin-off comic books and this TV show, which is more based on the charisma of Greg Berlanti and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa? Well, that, I feel like that, if, it, if it was that celebrated in IP, it would have carried from sea to shining sea the way a Superman or a Batman is. Well, that's a good question. And I think the point is it's not that it's a celebrated IP. It's that it's a ubiquitous IP. It might be... 95% of kids forget about Archie by the time they're 9 or 10. But I think a lot of kids just, it's there. It's like fairy tales. I read a quote once, I think it was Dennis O'Neill about Batman, and how when people say Batman or Superman or characters like this are, are like modern folklore, he's like, I don't really think that, I mean, the most obvious reason is because they're someone's intellectual property. Someone owns these characters. But even putting it aside, and the thing he said is, someone compared Batman to Paul Bunyan. He's like, everyone knows who Paul Bunyan is. Hardly anyone cares about Paul Bunyan. I think even though Archie is owned by a company and is an IP, 
it's some of that. We all hear about Archie. A lot of kids read Archie. I would be willing to bet the majority of American kids read an Archie comic sometime in their single-digit years. It's the same reason they make movies out of old 70s TV shows. It's not because people still care about Starsky and Hutch. It's because they've heard of Starsky and Hutch. And simply the reason that oh, they've I've, I've heard of it means they're more likely to pay attention to it. The reason why I'm pushing back at this is because yeah. I can't stand the idea that something needs to be an IP in order for it to be made. We're not going to get anything unless it's fucking Freddy Krueger or Mayor McCheese or something. And it's such a tired twisted rationale that something needs to the the fucking toucan sam is what needs to be you know there's pre-awareness in order to launch this gigantic megalopolis of a a franchise Mm -hmm. i think that this show if you would have just dropped this show on everybody as is and there was no archie people the same amount of people would have watched it i feel like it's that's the thing uh maybe Um, maybe with the right marketing sure why not our story is about a town a small town and the people who live in the town. From a distance, it presents itself like so many other small towns all over the world. Safe, decent, innocent. Get closer though, and you start seeing the shadows underneath. So tell me, Noah, why is this popular? Um, how do you explain? Are you just going to chalk it up to the appearance of Archie? Or are you going to sort of look at the collateral the show itself has? In a I, I, I agree with you that, that the majority of the reason why it's popular is not because it's Archie. I'm going to give an, I'm going to say because it's Archie gave it a boost. Uh, wow, Archie's nailing Miss Grundy. Um, by the way, side note, I find that relationship very problematic because while they, they mention that it's, she's like, I could lose my job. I could go to jail. I don't think they really emphasize how unethical it is for a woman in her thirties to be sleeping with her 16 year old student. I I just assumed that there was a Mary Kay Letourneau aspect to it. They didn't have to step on it. But, but that, I I, I think they, I think they undersell it. And I think, frankly, I think if Archie were a girl and Miss Grundy were a man, Ooh, that man is a sex predator, but yeah, Archie, score him with a hot, you know, teacher I want to fuck. Um, it's yeah, not, it's, I, it's, I, 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 um, it's wrong. It's fucking wrong. She is, I hear you. She is preying on him. It's all yeah, those things. I mean, yep. he's a kid. He's a kid. It pushes, it's a craftily written show and designed show in that it has the twisty turny, you know, the plot works to the extent that it hooks people in. It, it gets the storytelling right. Not to make it, you know, great prestige television, but to make it an appealing and, to some extent, addictive show. I stand by my criticisms of it, but they're minor criticisms. And even if I hated the show, which I don't, I think it works on the level that it sucks people in and gives people what they want. I would, uh, I would second that. I would say this, this is completely on model for TV today, especially for CW. There's nothing about it that is outside of the ordinary. As much as it's trying to scandalize you, uh, as I said, it very much resembles a lot of the other CW shows. It's completely soapy. It's twisty, but predictably twisty in that you know twists are coming, so they right. don't surprise you. Right. Everyone is completely and probably beautiful. They're catalog yeah. bland. Yeah. Most of the actors are uncharismatic. They all look like they're Tisch grads who just, this is their first job, which is actually true. I think it was Betty and Veronica both, no, not Betty and Veronica, the the girl who plays Cheryl and Veronica were both Tisch students at the same time. You know, so yeah. these, these people are being spat out of acting programs and they just get sucked right up into the Vancouver production machine and they go right to work. And, you know, all the, the 
pillow-lipped, who the actress, her name was Madeleine Pesch, who's gorgeous. I mean, she's gorgeous. Oh, God, I, I, don't, I don't agree. I hate to be cat. Look, I'll say it. I think Betty is a beautiful young woman. Uh, I think Veronica's pretty, whatever. I mean, why are we talking about this? But I find her off-putting. <laughs> I find uh, Cheryl really off-putting. This is the equivalent of a soap opera role, the way Julianne Moore and Alec Baldwin did yeah. General Hospital and yep. Brian's Hope and One Life to Live. This is what they're doing now. Maybe these guys will graduate to something larger the way Zac Efron has graduated from the um, team, what was it? High School Musical. Like, right. this, is their, this is their farm team. It's a big deal. You're mentioning something about the teenage aspect of it. This has that same sense, that similar... Um, knowing sense going back to John Hughes and maybe even things earlier where the teen years are the larger reality the largest reality like life begins and ends with being a teenager right and to the point there are these scenes where all of the adults are just orbiting the lives of the children they're just they're just looking in and they're hanging wrapped on what's going on with the kids like Luke Perry is telling him he's he's so involved with his son and 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 uh, our, Veronica's mom is so you know tethered to what's going on. It's like adult life is just the spectator for the teenage life. It treats it with that sense of gravity. Yeah, which it, it has has come up before. That was yep. you know, thirteen simple reasons for killing yourself or whatever. It was the was the I same know. the same thing, which right. is where you know the 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 world begins and ends with the. From 13 to 19, and that's it. You know, well, like, whatever happens after that is just repeat. It's redundant. You are both wrong and myopic here. Um, first of all, I do, I do think <laughs> the teenage years are significant because it's a, it's a uni- as universal experience as human beings have these days. So I think there is a lot, a lot to say about the human condition in the teenage years. A lot of reasons to look at them. Second of all, this, when you were, I know, I know you were 50 years old when you were 13, but when you're a teenager, it really feels that way. Like the teenage years are everything. Look, that, that, I always thought that was so clever of peanuts that the adults, went, rah, rah, rah. that was a very funny way of saying when you're a kid, what adults say is peripheral. It's not important because your whole world is childhood. And when you're a teenager... I revered adults when I was a well, kid. I you, did not you, listen to my peers. But you, re- you revered them in a very simplistic way. It was all about how they related to you and your world. Oh, this show regards adults as ancillary and that being a teenager is a good thing. Of course, because the show's for teenagers. And, and to the extent... Oh, that's true. To the extent it's not for teenagers, it's for adults who want to put themselves in a teenager's shoes for the 45 minutes they're watching this. I disagree, but we've been over this. But, uh, I, it, uh, but I don't... I don't think I'm. Look, I, I concede that I've been outvoted here. I'm wrong. I you can't change my mind on this because my teenage years meant so less than my late twenties and early thirties. But I understand that there's so much culture that is built around the the prospect of being a teenager that you know there's your cultural import. It's people have decided they want to either they decided they want to see more or that's just what we're getting. You know, and this is part of it. Actually, I want to jump jump tracks here for a second yeah. and and ask you. It's a bunch of gay men who made it. You know, the writing staff is a lot of gay men and women. I mean, straight women, I assume. And the heart of the show, the gaze of the show, is really with the women 
and looking at Archie right. as a sort of object, which right. I, is good. It's refreshing. And so I, I don't see anything here for me, the sort of um, culturally, whatever, for whatever it means, the sort of culturally heterosexual viewer. There isn't anything here that's not looking at Archie with his abs and his sort of sweaty T-shirts as he's coming from a band practice or whatever. And the makeup on the girls and, and the sort and, of clothes they're and wearing. And Jughead as the as the you know the charming poet kind of thing. I mean, this is probably the cutest conception of Jughead ever. The act, <clears throat> the actor yeah. is the good looking rebel. So, and and he looks like Ezra, he looks like Ezra Miller, the guy who's playing the Flash yeah, for little, the, the DC yeah. Comics movies. Yeah. yeah, I would contend that most of Archie's readership is female. So to the extent that they're they're cashing in on that familiarity. It's more to girls than boys anyway. I mean, look, this was the this was the comic book dichotomy in my house growing up. I was reading superheroes. My sister was reading Archie and Richie Rich and Casper and that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I find the most interesting characters in this show to be Betty and Veronica and their kind of frenemy relationship. And yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Well, it's, that's, I, there's no disputing that. That is absolutely the heart of the show. Their tussle over Archie, and I think that has been at the core of the 70-plus years of Archie comics is who's Archie going to pick? I mean, I think to an extent Archie has always been an object. Like, he's both the protagonist and, I mean, it, in some ways it's a male fantasy, the two hot girl, the blonde and the, the, the blonde and the brunette fighting over me, which one do I pick? I go back and forth. And then they added Cheryl Blossom as the redhead. It's a male fantasy as filtered through a female sensibility. If Archie is the object, then it is more from their point of view. And so you you deflate the male fantasy because I think it's the female gaze. And it, it immediately and wholly changes the context. Not that, you know, not that Archie isn't having his own, uh, you know, he's got his own camera on his life. But you're seeing Archie through the other people's eyes. He's kind of going between them. They're picking between him rather than him choosing between them, I think. As for what's there for you as the heterosexual man who you know, isn't in touch with being a teenager and never cared much about Archie, yeah, there's not much here for you. Simply the fact that you can recognize this as not a pile of shit TV show means it succeeded with you. By the way, why yeah. it's popular, I will add this, it's fucking gorgeous. The production yes, value, it's, it's, it it's, is so it's very nice cinematic. Yeah, it's it's well I done. Mean, it's the, professional. The photography is great. The fact is they don't rely on that sort of overlit studio lighting. The camera angles and the way that it's shot, that it transitions from scene to scene by using uh, like, like jib shots and things like that. It's really, really, really handsome. I mean, in a way that almost looks conventional because so much of TV now has such tremendous photography. So I usually start off my tours with a little history and context. Riverdale High first opened its doors in 1941. And, and hasn't been redecorated since, apparently. Honestly, I feel like I'm wandering through the lost epilogue of our town. <laughs> so what's the social scene like here? Any nightclubs? A strip club called The Ho Zone and a tragic gay bar called Innuendo. Friday night's football games and then tailgate parties at the Malmart parking lot. Saturday night is movie night, regardless of what's playing at the Bijou. And you better get there early because we don't have reserved seating in Riverdale on Sunday nights. Thank God for HBO. Would you like this more if you were a teenager? No, this, this is this is 90210. This is strictly outside of my right. uh, wheelhouse as a teenager, as an adult. It looks like TV for gay men and women. And I think I would have smelled that on it, not as a I'm scared of it or I cross my fingers and, and you know, be gone demon, but just merely in that there's there's nothing here in these in this themes of the subject matter that appeals to me. Uh, I think probably not, but I might have. I, you know, I didn't care about 90210 at all. 
as a teenager. Mm -hmm. I probably watched it twice. And I was the prime mm -hmm. age. I mean, it debuted, we were 15 when it debuted. But, you know, the mystery element might have attracted me a little. And I might have watched it because why not? Or, hey, Archie, that's funny. And then I might have gotten hooked. You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm hooked now, but I'm intrigued. So it's possible I'd really love it. You never know. If it had caught me in the right place in the right time, I might have become a, a hardcore loyalist. This is a class of TV show of which there are perennial. And, and again, let me just keep stating this, the fact that there needs to be these shows. And I think that this is just explicating a point of view on TV that has found a home. You know, a home that is increasingly more necessary. I, um, I got a call from your coach today. He's under the impression that you can't play varsity football because I'm making you work for me. Which is odd because you made it seem like you couldn't work for me because you were playing football. So my first question is, who are you lying to? Me or your coach? Neither. Is this a sign of the apocalypse? I do not think this is a sign of the apocalypse simply because it is too commonplace. It represents a new lingua franca in TV right. that is trying to be provocative and succeeding. Um, it is trying to slough off the old strictures of propriety and, you know, Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo not sharing <laughs> the same bed. And you couldn't say she was pregnant. And, you know, all, it's still living in the continuum of TV trying to sort itself out for the for the pornography Internet year that we live in. It's protesting too much. Every, so, every single time you saw a magazine cover, it would say something like, TV like you've never seen it. Archie, ooh, but adult that's, scenes. But that's marketing. That's marketing. It's marketing, but we live in a marketing planet. All yes. we do is market to each other. And so it's like, well, all right, this show, this show's thinking it's, it's the marketers are bestowing a little too much um, heat upon it. And it has exactly as much heat as it, as it warrants. It's doing all the things that you expect. Again, you can turn on um, Unreal or Jesus, even those Netflix shows, the Marvel Comics Netflix shows, which I think are playing in the same sandbox, if you can believe it. They're allowed to show violence. Yeah. They show concealed nudity up to a point. They intimate uh, sex acts, things like that. And yeah. th those can even use language up to, up to fuck. Netflix does not use the word fuck in its Marvel shows. I feel really. like I heard fuck in Daredevil, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, even though they're not rated, it's still holding to this um, invisible line. Well, no, they say uh, fuck so on 13 Reasons Why, right? They did on 13 Reasons yeah, Why. Yeah, yes, yeah. but that's that's the one that's the one I, exception. I, sorry, I don't mean to imply that that's a Marvel show. 13 Reasons Why is not adapted from... <laughs> it's not adapted from uh, the Inhumans comic from the 1970s. No, never. <laughs> the 13 Infinity Stones yeah, one, exactly. So what about you, Dave? I'm, I'm guessing No, no, not at all. Not conclusion. at all. It's, uh, it's fine. You know, it's, it's... Again, it's a TV show... It's not even a great TV show, but there are far, far worse things. And partly because I don't know where else to shoehorn this in. I want to get back at something I said before. And, and um, you know, I was talking about the Elseworlds thing. Like, hey, what if we place the Archie characters in a in a teen mystery drama uh, and take it seriously, straight faced? I think actually a better example of this phenomenon is a comic book series, also written by Roberto Guerra Sacasa. It's been published by Archie for the last five years called Afterlife with Archie. And the conceit is basically instead of what if the Archie characters were in a dark teen mystery drama, what if the Archie characters were in a standard zombie apocalypse story? I think it's outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. It is yeah, one of the best new comics I've read in a long time. It's written by Roberto Guerra Sacasa. It's drawn by a guy named uh, Francisco Francavillo. Is that his name? 
Yavila, yeah. Avila, and he's a very pulp-inspired style, fantastic artist. Uh, it's been running he's for Italian, a, yeah, yeah, Italian. It's been running for four years, but I think they're only up to ten issues. So clearly, it's it's a very uh, intermittent thing. It hits a lot of the beats of the zombie apocalypse, but really well done, good writing. And again, a lot of it is, oh, here's Moose, and here's Midge, and here's Hot Dog, and, you know, all the little Archie characters you remember, but placing them in this serious, dark, grim story. I mean, there's some serious, hardcore, heart-tugging shit in here. That's a better example of this. Without Riverdale being bad, I think Afterlife with Archie really shows how it's done. Now, I'm biased. I like zombie stories, and I like comic books, and in some ways these are apple and oranges because they're different media, uh, you have comic books, you have TV, but it's the same principle. Everything you're describing belies Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's um, credentials as a genre writer. Like yeah. you said, the guy was a playwright, but he wrote comic books for a good number of he years. Did. He dipped in and out. He he started off on Big Love for HBO, which wasn't a great show, but he was part of the writer's room. He I think he had a staff writer position. It might have even been story editor. And um, he's made a, a slow march for himself. I'm guessing he's in his late 30s. Maybe he's over 40. Yeah, no, he's, he's around our age, late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, and he was, I think, a New Yorker for a while, lives in Los Angeles now. He's got the TV chops, and a lot of these guys come up. I really like the fact that genre guys— You know what he did that's interesting, and that I give him a lot of credit? He's the one who rewrote Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. You know, when it first debuted— Oh, that's right, that's right. Julie Taymor, and it was yeah, the spider fantasy, work. and everyone thought it was a big pile of shit, you know, even apart yeah. from the technical problems, and they're like, this doesn't work. And they had him rewrite it from the, you know, in perfect person. He's a comic geek, but he he's a playwright. And I saw it after he wrote rewrote it, and while it was not great theater, uh, it was it was passable as a Spider-Man stage production. For the record, I'm not gay. <laughs> Obviously not, Moose. You're on the football team. But if you were gay, what would you like to do? Everything but kiss. <laughs> I love a good closet case. Is our hatred, quote-unquote, hatred of Riverdale indicative of jealousy? Are you jealous of Riverdale at all? Well, you know, am I jealous of the people who watch Riverdale? Am I jealous of the experience that they have? Am I even jealous of you for your ability to punch into being a teenager? The idea that Noah Tarno, like Dick Clark, is America's eternal teenager. Yeah, He's right. always in... He's always in touch with that sense of being a teenager. Okay. okay. I mean, I, I, I'm i not jealous. This is something that kind of passes through, and I'll forget about it by the time we're doing the next episode. And um, it won't make me feel one way or the other. Believe it or not, other than buoyed, I think for all the reasons I've just laid out, it kind of buoys me a little bit in how this is helping to transform TV. So it might be the antonym of... of um, dislike or you know jealous or anything like that uh well i'm a little jealous of the characters uh okay they fair seem enough to be living you know even putting aside the murder and all that they seem to be living a teenage life that i wished i led uh, a little more exciting a little more adventurous but that's ridiculous because they're fictional characters and you know most <laughs> most fictional characters live impossibly exciting or cool lives you know just they have an ease about them and a comfort in their own skin that's the stark opposite of how i felt when i was 15 hey and until uh, late 2004 i thought you were a fictional character because yeah, that's what you. i met on stage i know exactly <laughs> we gotta talk about that at some point but that who cares i'm jealous of the characters I mean, that's meaningless <laughs> uh i don't know no i'm not jealous i mean what am i what's there to be jealous of i think i agree with you i mean 
good or bad, this show will come and go, and it's and it's harmless. So I believe that brings us to a close. That um, that leaves us out. Our... Oh, oh, sorry, forgot to add. Uh, yeah. I think it's very clever that Jughead wears that little winter cap that's folded up like a whoopee cap, uh, uh-huh. as as opposed to the crown he wears. I think yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. you got to give him something, right? You got to give him He's something. Got, he, kind he of, likes burgers. He does eat burgers. He does you know? like burgers, yeah. And I do like, spoiler again, I do like that he and Betty are having a bit of a romance because I find that a little more realistic. And uh, I, I mean, I was more like Jughead than Archie, although I wish I were as cool as Jughead. If you'd like to find past episodes, look to iTunes, look to SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us conventionally at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com and visit i don't get a podcast go to itunes also give us a review look for me on twitter at william scurry i'm on youtube am caesar and my good friend noah will explain his deal uh i'm all about the big quiz thing bigquizthing.com we do corporate and private uh game show trivia events nationwide uh we're also on twitter at big quiz thing and i'm on twitter at noah tarno i am uh I'm still continuing. I am uh, raising money for the ACLU, uh, attempted to sing 400 karaoke songs in the year 2017. As of this recording, I'm up to 311. 311 wow. songs. I did not sing a 311 song. I was about to for say, number please stay away from I was that. not interested in that. Uh, instead, I sang A Million Miles Away by the Flame Songs. So there that was go. fun. Anyway. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode of I Get It Implicitly. I get it implicitly. I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.